Welcome to Your Gal Friday, a podcast about female leaders, innovators, and rule breakers. Each week, your hosts, Kate and Phoebe, will shine a spotlight on an amazing gal and talk about what we can all learn from her. Brought to you by Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Welcome to Your Gal Friday. I'm Kate Chaplin. And I'm Phoebe Freer. Today we are talking about a gal who is named by Sitting Bull, Little Miss Sure Shot. She wowed audiences before, after, and during her time with Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. She was an international star and rarely missed the mark. Today we're talking about the life and legacy of your gal, Annie Oakley. When I first heard that we were doing Annie Oakley, I was actually super excited. It kind of brought back like a bit of my childhood because I did hear about Annie Oakley before the show, and I first heard of her from the musical Annie Get Your Gun. Nice. So that was really fun. I saw it at a local theater. I saw it live. So that that was just really fun for me to see as a kid. And there was actually a famous show tune. You might have heard of it. There's no business like show business. That was made for Annie Get Your Gun. Nice. Um, yeah. So I saw the musical as a young girl and I just fell in love with it. Annie was my hometown hero, you know. She could shoot better than all the boys and she just seemed like she had a strong voice to me. So grown-up Phoebe might think differently now about the musical, but honestly, Annie made me kind of giddy. Um, she's a girl in a man's world and I always wanted to have a little of that gumption inside me too. I also discovered before the podcast that Annie's given name was also my given name, Phoebe. Yay! So that's pretty, yeah, so that's pretty <laughs> awesome to me. My cousin Olivia even made me a photo collage of other people and other things named Phoebe. And uh-huh. in that collage is a picture of Annie Oakley. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> It really does kind of help that connection when you share totally. the same name, even if she wasn't yeah. using it. You're like, oh, right. I know this. She didn't go by Phoebe, but she started out Phoebe. So that's pretty yeah. awesome. I love that. Yeah. I, I'm the opposite. I actually really didn't know much. I have even not even seen those musicals, believe it or not. And it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> right. So it's just a random luck. Now, I knew that she was a sharpshooter. Um, and I had seen her Thomas Edison films because, I mean, the, the filmmaker geek in me loves watching the very early Edison films. Totally. So basically, I think I knew enough about Annie to maybe uh, get a question right at a trivia contest night. That's about it. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, so this show is really fun because it, uh, it allows me to dig deep like I've wanted to do and learn not only what made Annie Oakley a household name, but also who she was as a person. That, you know, totally. the kind of like the icon status and then the, you know, the real gal. So I was excited this week. So please tell me where and when did she grow up? <laughs> well, Annie Oakley was born, as we said, as Phoebe Ann or Annie Mosey on August 13th in 1860 in Dark County, Ohio. Her sisters and her siblings called her Annie and it just kind of stuck. She always went by Annie. Um, her parents were Susan Wise and Jacob Mosey. They were Quakers from Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania, which is not super duper far away from me. So that's oh, kind of cool. very cool. Yeah. So Annie was actually the sixth out of nine children. 
When she was five, Annie had trapped birds and small animals to help supply food for her family. She seemed, as she said, to have been born with the shooting skill. Annie found that her happiest times were those spent in the woods and in the fields, trapping and shooting animals. And she was so good at shooting that she was able to help provide a living for her family. And there was merchants and restaurants who would buy the game that Annie shot. So Annie's father became very sick and bedridden after exposure to the cold during a blizzard in 1865. And he died of pneumonia in early 1866. And he was only 66 when he died. Oh, that's wow. why it was so yeah. That's why it was so important for Annie to be um, independent, right? Yeah, yeah. And helping provide for the family because her father couldn't after he got sick. Right, exactly. So because of poverty following the death of her father, Annie did not regularly attend school. Um, on March fifteenth, eighteen seventy, Annie was only nine and she was admitted to the Dark County Infirmary along with her older sister Sarah. According to her autobiography, she was put in the care of the infirmary's superintendent, and they taught her how to sew and decorate things. So beginning the spring of 1870, she was bound out or like sent out to a local family to help care for their infant son on the false promise of 50 cents a week and an education. Again, Annie was trying really hard even at a young age yeah. to provide for her family. So she did everything she possibly could while she was so, so young. Yeah. So the couple originally wanted somebody who could help pump water, cook, and take care of the kid. So, um, unfortunately, Annie spent about two years there, but it was actually mere slavery, and she endured mental and physical abuse there. One time, the wife put Annie out in the freezing cold without shoes as a punishment because she had fallen asleep darning. Uh, I kind of wonder if Annie thought of her father while she was outside. I can't imagine that alone was very good for her mentality. Yeah. So Annie referred to the couple as the wolves, even in her autobiography, but she didn't even have to do that. She didn't have to. She could have called them out, and she never did. Eventually, Annie ran away from the wolves, walking to a train depot. She didn't even have enough money for a ticket, though. But a kind man sat down and listened to her story, bought her food, and then even bought her a train ticket. Very cool. The rest of her life, she always regretted not actually learning this man's name. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. When Annie ran away, her mother was not at home. So Annie went to a friend of her mother's house named Shaw. Um, the Shaws took her in, cared for her while her mother worked. So one source says that the he-wolf showed up at Annie's school one day, but he was scared away by somebody who was protecting Annie. They were not heard from again. The couple never showed up again. Ah. Annie writes, in the years since then, people have asked me, but why do you, but why do you give as you do? Why do you spend, why don't you spend more on yourself? And she said, if I spend one dollar foolishly, I see tear-stained faces for little children beaten as I was. Aww. Which also, I thought, showed her character. Absolutely. Very much so. So Annie continued shooting game for her family. She was the main breadwinner. Like, she eventually got so much game that she was the main breadwinner. Yeah. And when Annie was 15... She sold enough game to restaurants and to hotels in northern Ohio to pay off the mortgage on her mother's farm. 
That's in a lot of game, a lot of shooting, a lot yeah. of working, a lot of hard work for a young kid. That is very cool, though, to be able to yeah. pay off that that burden that was probably hanging over her mother's head um, totally. and becoming the breadwinner. I think that's awesome. <laughs> it is. Totally. Ah. Now, her debut performance would come in 1875. Now, this is also where I wonder if she took the name Annie Oakley. Now, some might say it's a few years down the road. We kind of saw like different sources uh, on that. But like Phoebe said, her sisters called her Annie. So she was already going by Annie. It's the last name that... uh, I'm I'm always wondering about. Um, Now, later in her life, she revealed that the last name came from a city in Ohio. Now, she grew up in Greenville, and that's about less than two hours away from the city of Oakley. And that's also by today's modern car standards. It seems a little bit, you know, kind of far out to have necessarily known about. But what Oakley is actually near is Cincinnati, and that's where Annie's sister lived. Now, on a visit to her sister Lydia's home near Cincinnati, she met a hotel keeper, Jack Frost. I can't believe that's his real name. (laughs) I know, for real? Like Jack Frost? Right? I hear there's a song about him. I know. I hear a lot. I hear about him every single year. Right. Exactly. Now, but Jack knew about Annie's talent as a sharpshooter, and he arranged an exhibition match with Frank Butler. Annie was 15 years old. Frank was 28. The competition was trap shooting with 25 birds. Frank shot 24, and Annie got all of them. Oh, snap. (laughs) That's right. So the Annie Oakley Center Foundation has this adorable story about the match. It says, quote, Frank later would say that he had lost as soon as he saw the pretty and shy 15-year-old girl step to the mark. What is certain is that he had fallen for her. In his professional shooting act, he was assisted by a dog, a French poodle named George. Annie fell for George. So Frank courted Annie by sending her letters and cards signed by George. That's adorable. (laughs) Isn't that cute? So it was a dog that was kind of the conduit of a matchmaker for the two of them. And Annie and Frank were married. Now, this is where it gets a little bit complicated. Uh, There was the fact that Frank was married to someone else at the time and had two kids. So the dates of their marriage vary throughout the years. Uh, Perhaps it's dealing with Frank's divorce. Maybe it's the age separation. They were waiting until, you know, changing the years until Annie was of a certain age. Regardless of how it was, the two of them actually spent the rest of their lives together. Yeah, it's the cue for all. They're really it was like sweet 50 together. Plus years. It was yeah, like, it was like fifty years together. Yes, absolutely. And they were adorable. So cute. <laughs> so cute. I like wanted to tell the end right away because the story is so adorable. But right, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Stay with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> My God, don't jump ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> So the Wild West was a mystery and a curiosity to all at this time, especially those who have never been out West. So William F. Cody, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill, opened Buffalo Bill's Wild West show on May 19th in 1883 at Omaha, Nebraska. Very cool. His partner that first season was a dentist and exhibition shooter, Dr. W.F. Carver. 
Cody and Carver took the show, subtitled Rocky Mountain and Prairie Exhibition Across the Country. In 1893, Buffalo Bill changed the name to Buffalo Bill's Wild West and Congress of Rough Riders of the World. <laughs> okay, these are very long names. It's they just, are. It's so... It, it's like a title and then like a subtitle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our modern brains just cannot wrap our, like, I can't wrap my head around titles. Again, that, that is a very long, long. Uh, URL. <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. Like, you can't, you can't have it all on one page. Whew. It's like a mouthful. Totally. So the show began with a parade on horseback with participants from horse cultured groups that included U.S. and other military cowboys, American Indians, and performers from all over the world. Turks, gauchos, Arabs, Mongols, and Georgians displayed all of their distinctive horses, color, and colorful costumes. Visitors would see the main events, feats of skill, stage races, and sideshows. Many historical Western figures participated in this show. So when Annie was first added to the playbill, she was lower on the list, but as her act grew more popular, her act eventually made it to the beginning of the show right after the introductory act by Buffalo Bill. There were many other acts, for example, performers reenacted the riding of the Pony Express, Indian tax on wagon trains, and stagecoach robberies. The show was set to end with a reenactment of Custer's Last Stand, in which Buffalo Bill portrayed General Custer. I believe that is even how it was portrayed in Annie Get Your Gun, if I remember correctly, although I could be remembering wrong, but I do vaguely remember hearing about General Custer. I trust you. But this, oh, thanks. <laughs> I said that this is more of a legend that it happened in real life, though. True. Um, the finale was typically a portrayal of an Indian attack on a settler's cabin. Um, Buffalo Bill would ride in with an entourage of cowboys to defend a settler and his family. So, Kate, what did this show look like overseas? So, in 1886, William Cody received an invitation to perform at London's American Exhibition. So, this event was sponsored by British royalty and the U.S. government. I loved this. The steamship entourage included 83 saloon passengers, 38 steerage passengers, 97 Indians, 180 horses, 18 buffalo, 10 elk, 5 Texan steers, 4 donkeys, and 2 deers. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like Noah's Ark all over again. Right. Well, so, exactly. Like that, you know. Right. The Wild West, the, the Buffalo Bills version. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Can you imagine accidentally being on that same boat? Oh, no. Ah, without realizing it. <laughs> what kind of circus do you have on the show or on the ship? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, as a matter of fact. <laughs> exactly. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> So after setting up, they did a private preview show for the Prince of Wales, who would be the future King Edward VII. So when the prince, his wife and daughters met the performers, Annie was summoned to the prince's box and he extended his hand expecting a handshake. Annie reached out to shake the princess's hand first. Uh, in the book, Annie Oakley by Cheryl Casper, it states, Annie said to the future king, quote, you have to excuse me, please. I'm an American, and in America, ladies come first. Oh, snap. I know. The press had a field day with this. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. As, yeah. 
Yeah, but it actually wasn't negative, which is what I would think would totally happen. Right. Uh, the Daily Chronicle called it charming naivete. Uh, I even Aww. saw another account where the prince called her a wonderful little girl. Aww. <laughs> well, that's good, I guess. Yeah. So the prince was actually smitten by her. He even urged his mother, Queen Victoria, to attend a performance. And so wow. for the first time since her husband's death, she appeared at a public performance. And the world took notice of that. Right? Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the troupe did two performances a day to crowds around 30,000 people. When the exhibition ended in 1887, well over a million people had seen the show. Queen wow. Victoria was said to be so wowed that she asked for another performance on the eve of her Jubilee Day festivities to be attended by royalty around the world. So in what? April of 1889, the troupe was in Paris for the Universal Exposition. Then they went to Spain, to Italy, and to Germany before returning back to England. But it would be during a show in Germany that none other than the King of Prussia, and the German emperor, Frederick Wilhelm II, stepped forward to assist with one of Annie's sharp shooting stunts. Now, according to research, every time she did this, no one would volunteer. So it was usually Annie's husband, Frank, who ended up assisting during the stunt. Now, had Annie missed her target with the German emperor, which she never did, World War I might not have happened, by the way. <laughs> Holy cow. Right? <laughs> so interesting. I'm glad she didn't miss. However, oh, if she could have missed. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Whoops. So you digged into her movie connection stuff. Yes. So um, Buffalo Bill was actually friends with Thomas Edison. Yes. Buffalo Bill and 15 of his show Indians appeared in two kinetoscopes filmed. September 24th, 1894. Among those people, though, was Annie Oakley, and she also appeared in one of Edison's films. She was in the film called The Little Sure Shot of the Wild West. It was an exhibition of rifle shooting at Glass Balls. It was filmed November 1st, 1894 in Edison's Black Maria Studio. It was the 11th film made after commercial showings began on April 14th, 1894. The film is 20 seconds long, and it shows Annie doing what she does best, shooting both stagnant and moving targets. This film can still be seen today. You can even just look it up on YouTube. It's pretty cool. I like it. It is, it is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. In 1901, Annie was badly injured in an automotive accident, but she recovered after temporary paralysis after five spinal operations. Ouch. Annie left the Buffalo Bill show and actually tried her hand at acting again, but this time she acted in a play. So in 1902, she starred in a play especially written for her called The Western Girl. She played the character Nancy Berry, who used a pistol rifle and rope to outsmart a group of outlaws. So in a very weird turn of events... In 1904, newspaper powerhouse William Randolph Hearst published an untrue story that Annie was arrested for stealing while she was on drugs. Now, the actual account of this was a burlesque performer who used the name Annie, as in any given Sunday, Oakley. 
Oh my gosh. Exactly. Now, because Hearst owned many newspapers, the story was printed in various papers. Even rival papers would report on things from a Hearst paper. So more and more papers picked up the story and ran with it without actually checking. Was it Annie Oakley from... Uh, you know, Buffalo Bill show. So the article was eventually retracted and there was a printed apology. However, Hearst didn't want to pay any settlements that might come up because Annie did, in fact, sue him for libel. So Hearst sent an investigator to Annie's hometown in attempts to dig up any dirt on her. And they found nothing. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Annie spent the next six years winning 54 of 55 libel lawsuits against the newspapers. Uh, researchers actually show more times than not, the legal expenses were actually higher than the settlements that she would get. For her, it was important to restore her reputation more than it was any kind of monetary gain. Wow. Yeah. That's it. That makes sense, though, because a lot of her career depended on her reputation. Yes. I mean, she was like a folk hero almost. And it, then right. it's it's more about common knowledge than it is <laughs> yeah, anything totally. else. Yeah, totally. So during World War One, Annie also volunteered to teach marksmanship to the troops. Annie gave her time to the National War Council of the Young Men's Christian Association, a war camp community service and through the red cross she put on training exhibitions for them and said that those were her favorite crowds i can see that i could see how totally. those crowds would be really cool yeah oh yeah <laughs> so annie taught girls and women to be comfortable with firearms it said that she taught fifteen thousand women how to use a gun now keep in mind annie's time was quite different than today <laughs> totally totally yeah <laughs> very different yes <laughs> however she really did push for women to be educated and independent she knew that that image of her as being the top in her sport showed women that they were just as capable um and when they were offered an opportunity they would prove themselves and i loved that okay. Now, she did offer President McKinley during the Spanish-American War, quote, 50 lady sharpshooters. She said this in her letter, quote, every one of them will be in an American. And as they will furnish their own arms and ammunition, it will be little, if any, expense to the government. <laughs> wow. Now, McKinley did not take her up on his uh, on her offer. Of course not. It sounds too good to be true. Why would I they know. actually take her up on it? <laughs> it would have been awesome. Now, when America had its involvement in World War One, she offered this time to President Woodrow Wilson, a regiment of women for home protection. Every one of them who could and would shoot if necessary. She was wow. again ignored. <laughs> of course. I know. Annie was very quiet about her philanthropic work. Uh, most right. of her life, she donated to charitable causes. She helped orphans and widows and young women get an education. Uh, she would right. even put on benefit shows as well, which is lovely. Uh, the Annie Oakley Foundation even states there is evidence to show that she funded college and professional training to at least 20 young women. I thought that was very wow. cool. Yeah. That was very cool. 
And she never had any kids of her own. Correct. So it, yeah. It's really cool that she helped orphans and did all of this other stuff too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So on a fun fact note, complimentary tickets to the theater or to sporting events have traditionally been purchased with holes to designate that tickets are free. So during the late 1800s, these freebie tickets are called Annie Oakley's, since Annie was known to be able to shoot holes through playing cards. So baseball observers quickly adapted the Annie Oakley and is still also known as the free ticket or the free pass to first base. Ah. Even Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines Annie Oakley as a free ticket. I had never heard of this. Did you hear of this before the show? I think I heard of it a little bit, but I totally forgot. Like, I, this sounds vaguely familiar, but it didn't, like, register. Yeah, it totally didn't register to me before this. But it's so funny because, like, she was known to shoot, like, very small targets. She could shoot through a game card, you know. She it's shot so like a crazy. dime, like somebody would throw, you know, a dime yeah. or a nickel up in the air and she would, yeah. she would hit it. That's amazing. She would. Yep. It's very crazy. It's very cool that she's now in the dictionary. Her name is a dictionary definition. Right. Exactly. Her name oh, is a vocabulary word, I guess is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It makes uh, if I ever get a free ticket and be like, um, I'm going to need a hole punched in that because then it's an Annie Oakley. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like I a, love it. They'll be like, but what if it's on your phone? And you're like, well, I guess we're going all in. Peeps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, but then it comes to the later bit of her life. In 1922, right. Annie and Frank were in a terrible car accident this time. And it put Annie in a steel leg brace, and it took a year of recovery. In 1925, her health was really starting to fail her, and she moved to Dayton to be near her sister, Emily. Uh, The next year, she came back to Greenville, where she died of anemia, November 3rd, 1926. And she died at the age of 66, which was the same as her father. Oh, I I didn't see that. Isn't that that weird? I heard you say 66, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the same same age. I know. Uh, Annie is buried at Brock Cemetery near Greenville, Ohio. And also in another weird but kind of bittersweet twist, Frank, her husband, died 18 days later, and they were both buried together. So they were together even in death. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was super sweet. (laughs) I think Annie is actually our second gal who's died at the same age as their father. Wasn't it Ada Lovelace? This is very weird. And weird. Parallels. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. The plot thickens. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So what legacy do you think she wanted to leave behind? No, I think Annie Oakley felt very strongly about leaving a legacy back to uh, to girls and giving an empowerment. I, th- I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of her life was very much about empowerment and independence and yeah. um, taking taking on responsibilities and knowing you can do it. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because like, like when she, when she paid off her mother's mortgage in today's culture, I guess you would say she had age going against her. Right. And she had, 
Um, her gender going against her. Her gender going against her. Yeah, exactly. So it's like so many people want to say, oh, you're too young to do this. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you're a girl. You can't possibly, you know, do stuff. But Annie proved all of that wrong completely yeah. from the get-go. Like she was five and starting to trap animals and shoot animals. And like she came with a natural born talent and she used it. And I think that she really wanted her legacy to be empowering other women to also use their talents and to also be strong and brave and yeah, to yeah. use to use their voice and to be empowered and to be independent. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mean these these weeks that we've spent kind of researching Annie, I do feel like her legacy was to um make money at something that she was amazing at to have that economic freedom, basically. And I really do. I think it goes back to paying off her mom's mortgage, you know, doing something that she's good at um, has a reward of, you know, economic security for her family and for her mother. I mean, I bet you that was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, (laughs) And it helps people. That's awesome. Um, I mean, I also think that even in that moment, that realization, her life could have gone so many different directions. Oh, um, yeah. She could have, you know, either started a restaurant or still sold game to restaurant. Be like, hey, I make a lot of money at this restaurant thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> but instead, this amazing opportunity of being able to turn her skills into a performance that is seen by millions. It's its fascinating. It's absolutely it really fascinating. Totally. Yeah. So what did you learn from her? Dun, dun, dun. I think what I learned from her is to work hard, first off. Like, don't make, like, there's no excuses to not work hard. Right, like, she absolutely. She didn't use the excuse of being too young. She didn't use the excuse of being a woman. Mm-hmm. She didn't use, use the excuse of being in poverty or even being in slavery for a time. She was, mm-hmm. she worked hard and she got where she wanted to be. And I think I just learned to actively move forward in your life, even if there's struggles, because looking for opportunities and creating opportunities for yourself will get you farther than you can imagine. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Yay. (laughs) Yay. What'd you learn from her, Kate? I learned a lot about the the Buffalo Bill show, which honestly I've always kind of wanted to know more about. Like I knew the headline totally, and stuff. Yeah. Like I really didn't know that much about it. I was curious. But Annie's involvement and honestly that draw was just wonderful. I mean, she was a huge draw within the Buffalo Bill show. I mean, her performances were a way of kind of showing that if you're good at something, no matter what it is, <laughs> there are people who were inspired to find their one thing that they're good at. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely. it doesn't matter if your talent to somebody else could seem, oh, it's, you know, ridiculous as the young girl who can shoot really good. But to another, it can be, hey, if she found that one thing and made a job right. out of it, I can take this one thing that I'm really good at right. and make a job out of that. I thought that was absolutely. like really, really cool. Um, yeah. I was totally surprised by the militia thing of the women's militia to two presidents. I think that would be a movie that I would want to see. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Like, what if this happened type thing? Right. Exactly. Or a fictionalized account. I think there's ones that are maybe maybe similar. 
But uh, but hearing that, I'm like, that would make a brilliant movie. It should have happened in real life. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I, I learned about uh, Annie Oakley this week. So, yes. That's awesome. So do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Well, there's this one story about Annie that we found that I just, it, it kind of made me laugh out loud, to be perfectly honest. Is this the story you um, shared with me online? Yeah, totally. Okay, yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, do this. Yeah. Yes. I saw this video of like it was just like a 2-minute clip of um somebody telling Annie's like this story and it just made me laugh. So, there was of course as happens to many celebrities, lots of people proposed to Annie, mm-hmm. which is kind of annoying if you were in her shoes, but kind of like, all right, how do you deal with this cuz it's a thing, you know? Right. Right. Well, the Buffalo Bill Center of the West at Buffalo Gals Luncheon in 2012 has this video talking about one of the many suitors who wrote to her proposing marriage. So a man proposed to her, and she asked her husband to come to the arena and hold up the photograph of the would-be suitor, the guy who asked her to marry him. Right, right. right. And she said... She said this, quote, Frank held it by one corner as I said a twenty two caliber bullet through the place where brain should have been. <laughs> I then wrote out across the narrow chest of the rest of the picture, respectfully declined. <laughs> I love I that. that so funny. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. That is classy oh, and threatening and sarcastic so, and lovely oh, yeah, at the same it's time. Like, <laughs> like what if she's serious, but at the same time? Oh my gosh, like I would keep that picture. That right? was so cool. Oh, Andy like, Oakley turned me down in an epic fashion. <laughs> so true. Yeah, exactly. Like frame that. Frame that thing. Annie Oakley turned me down and this is how she did it. Like that's so cool. <laughs> I did also love that uh where brains should have been. <laughs> where brains should have been. It's like, well, she's she's little you never know. Like she, she, she wasn't all about shooting people, but you don't want to cross her at the same time. Right. So I don't know. She has the skill. Yeah. <laughs> right. She does, and yep. she has don't a push husband. Her. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, it was so great. I love that story. Excellent. <laughs> Well, that wraps it up for us. It's actually really kind of hard to believe, uh, but we have come right. to the end of season one of Your Gal Friday. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So we are going to have a recap episode next week. So we're going to look back at the 19 episodes that we have done. We're going to talk more about what more we have learned since we recorded those shows. We're also going to do listener feedback as well. Uh, And also we're going to talk about any and all secret plans, you know. Coming up for season two. Right, for season two. <laughs> yes. So please tell us your favorites or things that you really liked or things we got wrong. It's totally fine. Yeah, we want to totally. learn. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so please interact with us. We are on Facebook at Your Gal Friday Podcast. We're on Twitter at Gals Guide Galaxy. And we're even on Instagram at Gals Guide to the Galaxy. You can hit us up Yay. in any of those places that you love best for social media. So Absolutely. yes. If you'd like us to be able to do more episodes in a season or help us upgrade our equipment, support us on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash galsguide. So we leave you with this quote from Annie. Aim at the high mark and you will hit it. 
For more information about this week's gal or to check out our previous episodes, visit galsguide.org. To support the show, visit the Gals Guide Patreon page. We've got great perks like behind the scenes, early access, and private live streams. Thank you so much for subscribing to Your Gal Friday.